Welcome to Actions Detrimental. I'm Bob Dare and this is episode two and we're here to talk about Las Vegas. The truck series, Xfinity series, and Cup series were all in Vegas this past weekend and I'm here to break them down for you. So with this being the first episode that I'm going to go over races, I think I'm going to start with the Cup series since I'm sure that's what most of you are here to hear about. And that happened last night uh, before the race. Martin Truex Jr., Eric Almarola and William Byron all had to go to the back due to inspection issues, and William Byron wasted no time. It didn't take Byron too long at all to get up to the front, and he eventually took the lead. Uh, the Hendrick cars were really, really good, and they were expected to be, since this was another 550 package race, and they were out front dominating, especially with Kyle Larson winning the first stage. But it was stage two, though, that took a turn for the worse. For the Hendrick cars as they all had a different strategy than the other drivers up front mainly the Gibbs cars and I honestly believe and I'm sure a lot of you would agree this is where Kyle Larson's team threw the race away. Honestly in stage two my girlfriend and I were just watching the race but we had the volume pretty low and we were just chatting and hanging out and we were wondering why the Hendrick cars were still out front and the Gibbs cars had already pitted and it was getting towards the end of the stage, so we were like, all right, is Larson just going to win the stage and then pit, or what's his plan? And then he pitted, and the other Hendrick cars pitted, and we started to wonder what the point of that was. So not only did Larson not stay out and win the stage, which, honestly, I don't even know if he could have on fuel, but he buried himself a lap down for the third stage. And from that point on, he never cracked the top nine for the rest of the race. He finished 10th and never got through the field like, Chase Elliott sure did. He got all the way up to second. Denny Hamlin and the rest of the Gibbs cars, though, took full advantage of Hendrick Motorsports basically burying themselves. And Denny Hamlin got the win. The second round in a row that he opens it up with a win, locking himself now into the third round and not having to worry about Talladega and the Roval coming up. It's really tough to say who would have won if Larson was on the same exact strategy as Denny. Uh, I believe they were pretty equal. Uh, but we never really saw how Larson's car was out front once the sun went down and the lights came on. So it would have been more of a battle for sure. It would have been more entertaining for sure. And it might have uh, really woken up the race and the race fans at the end of the race because there really wasn't much to write home about. In my eyes, it was just another case of the 550 package striking again. A lot of people want to look back to Michigan a few weeks ago where Blaney won and an okay finish with uh, Byron. It was, I guess you could say, a little bit thrilling, but it was just artificial in my mind. It was because of a late race restart that the whole ending was even set up in the first place, which is the whole point of the 550 package. This package is just based on restarts, and if there's no cautions, there's no restarts. And if the cars are wide open and easy to drive, there's no cautions. So it's just pretty obvious to me. I don't understand why NASCAR doesn't understand it. They probably do, but they're just too busy worried about sponsorships and attracting new teams and overlooking the fans' opinions and not even noticing the fans sleeping in the grandstands. It's so frustrating that races like Michigan, and I'm forgetting, but a few other 550 races this year that may have had exciting finishes for NASCAR to yell out, see, this is what we want, this is why you should like it, it's exciting. But it's only because of late race cautions. If there wasn't any cautions, it's not exciting, and that's what happened last night. For God's sakes, I saw like a hype video this week of the 2018 race at Las Vegas and the playoffs and how wild it was and the playoffs guys having problems and people wrecking and spinning. 
and that's because it was a 750 race it wasn't it was high horsepower so it's just I, I it drives me crazy to see them hyping up these old races but the packages in those races are the ones we want now that we can't get that we're not allowed to have so it's just it makes me pull my hair out of my head it's just like someone showing you something that you want that they know you want and showing you how good it is but telling you oh well you're not going to get it and you probably won't ever again uh, it's just so infuriating but anyway rage mode aside the bottom four in points at the moment following las vegas going into talladega william byron's four out harvick seven out bowman 13 out and bell 25 out all four of those drivers had issues throughout the race, um, namely Byron, because I believe he had the strongest car of those four, but he just can't seem to catch a break. The one race that went really well for him in the playoffs so far was Bristol, and look at what he did in that race, what he overcame. So if Byron can just have some smooth races, I firmly believe he will be a challenge to make the final four. My playoff grid before the playoffs started, I had him in the final four. So I'm not giving hope on that just yet. So what I believe was the spiciest, most interesting part of yesterday was not even the race. But if you follow Bob Pachris on Twitter, he had a lot of videos of Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott being interviewed before the race in the media bullpen. And those made for some storylines. Kevin Harvick was quoted as saying, talking to Chase Elliott, it's like talking to his nine-year-old son. He just doesn't grasp the full big picture. Uh, Chase Elliott was playing off this whole feud but once Bob mentioned what Harvick said about the nine-year-old comment you could see Chase's ears perk up and him go more like huh interesting so I this is definitely not over whatever chat they had in the hauler clearly didn't do anything didn't go anywhere and I'm all for that Kevin Harvick is the king of mind games um, every time he's in the playoffs it seems like he's playing mind games with somebody but I believe it was Nick Bromberg on Twitter last night that brought up a good point at this point, Harvick's got to cling on to his mind games tactics because he knows he doesn't have the speed to compete with Hendrick for the rest of the playoffs. So mind games is all he's got, honestly, at this point. And he can go out there and rub and maybe even wreck Chase, but I don't view it the same as, say, Danny Hamlin versus Kyle Larson. And they can both go out and win this championship, and they're head-to-head. -head. It's Harvick's, I don't even see him making it out of this round. So it's just not an equal fight. Um, and Harvick can get eliminated this round and maybe try to rattle Chase's cage in the next round, but at that point, just focus on the guys that you've been battling all year because the Hendrick cars are not on your level. One thing that Harvick mentioned, though, in the bullpen yesterday that caught my ear was him saying that he just wants NASCAR to react the same as with a no-call if the shoe is on the other foot at some point in the rest of the season, whereas if... Stuart Haas cars affect Chase or Hendrick cars the way that Chase affected Harvick at Bristol. So that is interesting, and I agree that if that does happen, NASCAR shouldn't do a damn thing because they didn't do a damn thing at Bristol. And speaking of that, Denny Hamlin brought up, I honestly think was the best point during the bullpen yesterday when he said that he found it very interesting watching the Harvick versus Hendrick issue at the end of Bristol because if NASCAR let that slide, who's to say teams can't do that at Phoenix? Because all week everyone's been saying, well, did Chase affect the end of that race? And 
in a way he did. So if NASCAR is going to let that go, that's opening a whole box for the rest of the season, especially at Phoenix. We've never seen it come down to that. Denny even mentioned that big races like Phoenix, that NASCAR is a lot more strict and stern in the driver's meeting. But as he said, it takes Bristol to get to Phoenix. So how is Phoenix any more important than Bristol? So it would be a real black eye to the sport if Phoenix comes down to something like that. And everyone would honestly have to side with the actions of what happened over NASCAR because NASCAR let this side at Bristol. Um, We see it time and time again that NASCAR lets something go that eventually becomes a big problem. So it's this is shaping up to be big. We'll just have to see how the rest of the season plays out. Um, In my introduction episode, I mentioned that there was six races to go, but there was seven to go at the time. So now there's six races to go. A little ahead of myself there because maybe because I knew Vegas wasn't going to be much of a race to begin with. Um, but we are headed to Talladega this weekend, which I am very excited about. I already have anxiety just thinking about it. And um, obviously, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, they're going to be the favorites. But you really just never know. Anyone could win Talladega. Um, Maddie D's been up there every race lately. Ryan Blaney, why I skipped him. He's probably the favorite, honestly. Um, but we all know what's going to come into play, and that'll be the yellow line rule because it did last year, and it always does. So. But yet it's still there. Um, I always go back to Dale Jr.'s Dale Jr. download from last year after this race, and he was just on a rampage with the yellow line rule, and that was my favorite episode he's ever had. So we'll see what happens this week. But jumping to the Xfinity Series, uh, it was Josh Berry scoring his second career win as he was subbing for Michael Annette, um, showing that talent overcomes sponsorship, or at least should. Um, put him in the good car and he's out there winning he should have won I believe it was Michigan a few weeks ago as well junior motorsports scored the top three swept the top three and my biggest point from that race was the big one on lap 31 or so and let me get into why that set a fire under me I understand why there's competition cautions when there's no practice or qualifying or anything but if you look at it the competition caution that was thrown for people to pit and make adjustments to their car based on not having practice was the reason for the restart that caused three playoff drivers to be swept up among so many other cars on the restart. Sure, they didn't need to be five wide going into the turn on lap 30, but it was the restart from a competition caution that I don't believe is even necessary that led up to all this. I'm just so looking forward to getting back to some kind of practice next year and qualifying I understand why we didn't have it last year. I don't really understand why we didn't have it the second half of this year, especially the playoffs, but that ship has long since sailed. But next year, it'll be a welcome sight to not have so many damn competition cautions. I'm already sick of the stage breaks. We don't need any more cautions that aren't natural in these races. Jumping over to the truck series, it was Christian Eckes scoring his first win in a top four for Thor Sport. It uh, was brought to my awareness on Twitter. It's pretty funny that he held off Ben Rhodes, his teammate, and it was Texas last year that those two had quite a battle on the racetrack, and Eckes was pictured flipping them off as he went by under caution. So it's pretty crazy how the sport works and how everybody just ends up being buddy-buddy a year after they hated each other. I also found it funny that rivals from Bristol seem to be magnetized to each other 
uh, early in the race, John Hunter Nemechek got into Zane Smith while they were four wide. Neither of them's fault, but cut down Zane's tire. Zane was pissed off at the KBM cars in his snotty interview last week at Bristol. So those two found each other. And then Arca break Sheldon Creed plowed into Chandler Smith during the big wreck in turn two a week after those two were having a war of wars after the race. So it's pretty, it just really is weird the way things work out. So it seems to happen all the time, but the Xfinity and Truck Series more so stole the show this weekend over the Cup Series. That's getting pretty old, but we'll see how next year goes with the new new car and everything. But at least we have some good races each weekend to look forward to. So with not a lot of action this weekend in the Cup Series, there weren't a whole lot of nominees for a penalty report or someone to call to the NASCAR hauler. But I will say Cliff Daniels, Kyle Larson's crew chief, he took full blame for the bad strategy in Stage 2 last night, but if anyone's going to get a, a dumb move award, I'd say it was Cliff Daniels and Larson's team. Uh, I just don't understand why they threw the race away like that when they could have just stayed on the same strategy as the Gibbs cars and been battling them head-to-head at the end of the race. My second-place runner-up, though, I will say, Sheldon Creed, where were you going? Like, plows directly into Chandler Smith in that wreck. I understood he said he couldn't see him and he was too focused on the wreck to his right, but slow down. Like, there's a wreck, there's going to be a caution. Why are you gunning it on the apron, no matter if you can see someone or not? Total Arca break move right there. So all in all, not a horrible race weekend, but still lacking a lot of excitement, especially following Bristol, but luckily we're going to Talladega this weekend, so I'm sure we'll we'll make up for it. I want to give you guys the opportunity to send me some questions this week. Use the hashtag ActionsDetrimental or even just send me a DM on Twitter at BobDare18. Whether it be if you want to know my opinion on anything in NASCAR or if you just want to know a little bit more about me since this is a brand new podcast, uh, feel free to ask me anything you want and I'll give you guys a shout out next week. I'm looking forward to this week at Talladega. I'm sure you guys are too and uh, hopefully I have a lot more to talk about next week. So anyway, have a great week, and I'll talk to you guys next week on Actions Detrimental.